With that in mind, let's go ahead and go to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, thank you for this time that you've set aside for us to look to you and recognize you in your very presence this morning. We are reminded once again that more, more than two are gathered, you are present. And we thank you for that. We thank you for doing everything that you are doing in our lives to preserve and keep us. But Lord, you also remind us the importance of being in your word and studying your word and looking to your word. Lord, you speak to us through your word. And we are very thankful for that. We thankful for we are thankful for how you nurture us, guide us, teach us, enrich us, empower us with your very presence. Those moments where we feel as though we don't have the strength, you provide the strength for us. We thank you for that. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for what you continue to do. Lord, we have much more to learn from you. And we are thankful for that too. For as long as you're teaching us, we are present. And we just want to give you the glory. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. There are some things in life that are good for us. And there are others that are just not beneficial. I'm going to add to this by stating that you have the ability to control the content that you take in each and every day. You have the ability to take in and control what that content is. For example, you may be watching a television program. And while you may not care about the program that you're looking at, it might be on in the background, you're doing something else, right? You might notice that the program content is not what you want to see. Therefore, you change the channel to find something better. Or even, hey, turn off the TV altogether. Amen? Amen. For those of us who are still listening to the radio, how many of us are still listening to the radio? Other than being in the car. Well, it's like three people and four. <laughs> but that's just an example. If you listen to the radio, we do the same thing when we hear too many commercials. We start to change the channel, look for some music or whatever it is we're listening to. Ultimately, we have the final say as to the content that we consume. Now, I've shared this information both publicly and privately before. So if you heard this before... I forgive me, but it just came to me to bring it up again today. But last year, and pretty much from you know March, late March on to April and all that, I determined I no longer would watch the morning news because it no longer gave me what it, I needed to start my day. I stopped watching the morning news. And I love watching the morning news, but it changed last year. I determined that if I want to control the environment that is best suited for my mental health and for my well-being, then I had to stop watching the news. Just stopped. And I know a lot of people did the same thing because their ratings are down. They just don't have the same ratings they used to. They're making these pushes, come back to the news, come back to watch. Nope. Not going to do it. The news was largely negative. Therefore, it was deemed no longer valuable for me. I changed the channel and I started watching game shows as early as 8 a.m. Game shows. Now, I don't expect everyone to follow my leader example on this, especially if you're a news junkie and if you like the news, that's fine. If you want to do that, that's okay. But I'm offering to you, of course, this is unsolicited. (laughs) I'm offering to you what works best for me. I started watching Buzzer. Buzzer is a game show network. It carries old-time game shows. And I literally had Buzzer on all morning and virtually into the early afternoon, till late to the afternoon. Now, it was mostly background noise because I was watching Buzzer while I was at work. 
But watching Buzzer was much more positive than watching the news. Which, in my opinion, has been outright awful, depressing, and only created anxiety. Watching Buzzer has worked so well in my home that my wife also watches it with me while she is working. And she gets on me now and every, every, every time uh, because she really enjoys and likes to watch Supermarket Sweep. <laughs> every now and then she's going to explain to me, do you see what you've done to me? <laughs> now, on those days when I had to go into the office, you know, we, we had been working from home for a long time. And now we have this thing where we go and do a hybrid model and go into the office and go to work a little, you know, and also work at home. So on those early mornings when I had to go into the office, I started watching the early morning buzzer programming. I found a program that's on their schedule every morning at 7 a.m. that my wife and I both like to watch. We sit for a moment and look at the program through the Bible with Les Feldick. Through the Bible with Les Feldick. I had never heard of Les Feldick. But his program is actually making the rounds in syndication. It is a 30-minute commercial-free Bible class. And it goes chapter and verse through the entire Bible. He recorded 984 episodes from 1990 to 2009. And if you can't get the program, and it's, it's kind of hard to find, you can go online and listen to it or read the 82 books that have the transcripts of the programs. He recorded everything. This program was a great find in the morning to start my day. Way better than watching the news. It's a Bible class. And it gives emphasis to a more detailed reading with instruction of God's word. If it weren't for turning off the news and turning on buzzer in the first place... I would have never found Les Feldick. Now, I said all of this to emphasize that there are some things that a believer in Jesus Christ should avoid if it causes you stress and anxiety. And there are a number of alternatives where, following the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit, we should be readily running to and embracing those things that are beneficial for us. Beneficial to our own well-being. We should be running towards God's word and his teaching while running away from those things that just aren't good for us. Now, I don't need to take a poll for this. Everyone in this room knows what's good for you and what's not good for you. And you make those decisions accordingly. If you are examining your life as it is right now, where do you believe you are? Are you asking, seeking, and knocking for God's wisdom? Or are you accepting the world's status quo of unhelpful information? This is a matter of not just taking better physical care of yourself, but better mental care. Mental care. It's all under the category of personal care because no one can be more responsible for self-care than you. Better self-care is better soul care. Amen? Amen. Taking care of yourself. Better self-care is better soul care. Now, It's not a selfish thing to take care of yourself. I don't know where that line of thinking has come from where it was something that you were just being self-centered or something. I don't know. I don't think that's true at all. I don't know where that line of thinking came from, but I find it comes from the thought of being a servant for Jesus, but it morphs and grows and further as far as one deems it necessary to have a self-sacrificing attitude to their detriment of personal well-being. Jesus does not want you to sacrifice yourself to the point of exhaustion. I really believe that. Amen? 
I'm here to tell you that this whole thing about this working and sacrificing to your detriment is a lie from Satan. I really believe that. Because Satan would love for believers to take themselves out and find different ways of doing so. Even God shows us very early on in Scripture about the value of rest. Where am I going with this? Somewhere Brother Beecher knows very well. Go to Genesis chapter 2. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Genesis chapter 2. Let's take a look at 1 verses 1 through 3. Now I want to emphasize something here too. God does not need to rest. Amen? He is not a fleshly being like we are. God is spirit. He doesn't need to take a rest. But he shows us this as an example for us. Do you understand that a lot of things you see in scripture, they're not conflicting at all. It's to show you how you should respond. Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. Uh, this is the English Standard Version. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. Verse 2, and on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Verse 3, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. An important element of self-care is rest. Rest. You don't ever want to get to the point where you're working so hard at doing something that God has to shut you down because you're not getting the proper rest, that you're not getting the proper sleep. And I've seen it happen to people. You get so busy, it's so crazy, right? You feel like you got to do, you got to do, you got to do. It's like God says, wait a minute. Are you doing it for the right reasons, number one? Are you taking care of yourself? I'm going to show you something in this message, hopefully, that will convey to you that that self-care is very important. We may neglect ourselves in self-care when we should be doing the exact opposite. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's take a look at verses 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. Not to veer off, but I recognize this week when I looked at last Sunday as we were coming back from vacation, and I was talking to my wife about this, and I said, I've got a busy week ahead. I just knew it. It was just one thing after another, and I had to pace myself the entire week. And it was really good. And I got through it in one piece. <laughs> Amen. It was a really busy, it was a busy work week. It was a busy week with outside of work stuff. But when you know what you got in front of you, guess what you're doing all through that process? You are praying that you can get through it and not have any bumps or bruises. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. This is the New Living Translation. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. I'm always reminded by Rick Warren's words at the very beginning of his book, The Purpose Driven Life. It's not about you. And it's true. It's not about you. It's amazing how we see sometimes people making it about them that they're in ministry. Really? There's a different motivation there than what is intended by God. Caring for yourself is just as vital as caring for others. We recognize we're in ministry, but it still starts with you caring and taking care of yourself. 
Now, I'm making the point because it was made very clear to me that as we are charged as believers in Jesus Christ, believers in Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, with being ready to minister to others, it would be a mistake to avoid the subject of taking care of yourself. If you fail to honor God with your body, you are then not recognizing the value God has placed upon you. He values you. He wants to see you at your best. Don't diminish your own value. I mean, you humble yourself. That's all good in doing that. But don't diminish your own value in the process. Of course, Jesus died on the cross as payment to settle for all time the penalty of sin for your entire life. If you acknowledge him, the price that he paid for you was very great. So why are you diminishing yourself? If the price he paid for you was great, why are you diminishing yourself? He deemed you worthy of his personal sacrifice. Do you see where I'm going with this? You are worthy because he is worthy. Jesus does not expect for you to pay him back for this. Amen? But he does ask that each of us honors him with our good and acceptable behavior as we live for him. He wants us to honor him by being obedient. Good and acceptable behavior. Please turn to Romans chapter 12. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Now these verses I'm going over, all of us are familiar with these verses, but it's just like the study we're doing in Hebrews in Sunday school. There are constant reminders, reinforcement, restating things, Stating them maybe in a different way, but stating the same thing. And scripture does this for us all the time. And sometimes we need to be reminded of what scripture tells us about the value that we have in Christ. It may not be taught that way all the time, but we truly are valuable in Christ. He's deemed you worthy to be here. You're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what's good for your, what's God's will for you. Let me read that again. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. He just wants you To live for him in obedience. Plain and simple. Because that's how you can please God. He doesn't want you to pay him back. Like you're giving money to the church. Well, I'll just give the church everything I got. Well, if you want to do that, that's fine. But the church isn't going to refuse it, I guess. But ultimately what it comes down to is that it's not about payment. He paid on the cross for you already. He just wants you to look to him and be a faithful servant for him. But you're caring for yourself in doing so. Look at Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 with the understanding that 
We do not act on the words of Jesus Christ as if we're trying to repay him for what he's done. Our servanthood is not out of obligation, but one of gratitude and love for Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. Not out of obligation. It's because we want to do it because we love him. We are grateful for what he has done for us. And I think sometimes it gets lost in the service. We do it because we love him. He died on the cross because he loved us. Before we even knew what love was. Amen? We do it because we love him. And we're grateful for what he's done. And I'm reminded, Jesus Christ did it to be obedient to the Father. He was being obedient to the Father. So there had to be a choice that he did that. And he made the choice for us. Through this process of servanthood, not out of obligation, but out of love, we are being sanctified, we're being transformed to live and discern what is best for us as we trust him. We trust him day by day. We have faith day by day. We've been prayerful day by day. Amen? Amen? We have been prayerful day by day. We trust in him day by day. We're praying not just for ourselves, but we think about others as we do this. We're also praying for family members who don't know Jesus. We stay prayerful. Don't forget them. They need our prayers. Caring for yourself in the proper manner lends to the proper care and attention for others. If you're taking care of yourself, it's going to be a natural thing for you to also minister to other people. Amen? It's natural. It's a natural thing. And that's the beauty of this whole thing. As you take care of yourself, you're going to be more inclined to take care of other people. If you're so wrapped up in yourself, where you feel like life is not going well, things aren't happening the way you want them to happen, you're looking for something different, you're getting depressed, you're getting anxious, how well are you going to take care of somebody else? No, you won't. That's a promise. So now that we understand that it's up to you and me as individuals to live in such a manner that we honor Jesus Christ in our words and actions, we can be better equipped to speak to others about the goodness of Jesus Christ. You know what? As you have good experiences in Christ, you can share those great experiences you have in Jesus Christ. As you have good things happening in your life, what a blessing. You can share with others about those blessings. You don't have to make anything up. You don't have to pretend anything. You know, even if you're having a lousy day, God has been so good to you, you can still share that goodness with others. In spite of your lousy day. I mean, if you're the type of person that lives in the moment and that, oh, my day is ruined. I can't do nothing for nobody now. What is that? You're breathing, for goodness sake. Amen? I'm sorry, I don't know what came over me there. All right. I'm going to go one step further and express that each one of us is called by God to speak his truth to others. You realize you're called by God to do that anyway? Amen? Amen. You're called by God to speak his truth to other people. You're existing. Your life is all about ministry to others. We're not perfect on our own accord. Amen? Amen. We mess up. Well, let's go further. We sin. We're not perfect. But Jesus is our perfection. He transforms us. He deems us as pleasing and acceptable as we honor him and speak his truth to others. Do you understand that because of our obedience is the relationship we have with the Lord? In the Old Testament, 
Remember all the old blood sacrifices? Well, they were imperfect in them in their own selves. They didn't do anything to take care of your sin. It was because people were being obedient to the laws of Moses and doing exactly what he said in that process of sacrificing that he forgave their sins, not the sacrifices themselves. But thankfully now we have, through Jesus Christ, our eternal sacrifice, one time, one payment for all time. Even for those folks who lived before us. Old Testament time, folks. One time sacrifice. That's reason enough to praise the Lord for what He's done for us. Amen? I'm just checking to see if y'all ticking. Now, the thought of speaking to others about Jesus Christ may not make some of us very comfortable. Here's, a, here's a, one of these things that's going to be like a, a mini sidebar. Because of the very idea that you have to say something to somebody. Well, the truth of Jesus still has to come forth from all who declare him as Lord and Savior. Whether you're the shyest person in the world or the most gregarious person in the world, you still have to speak about Jesus Christ. Sorry about that. But that's the truth. And guess what? The Spirit's going to give the strength and ability to the most shy person, the most soft-spoken person, about the ability to say something truthful about Jesus Christ. If you call yourself shy, guess what? If you pray to the Lord, He'll give you what you need to say. So you can't use that as an excuse. Sorry. Your shyness and your personality, that's great. That's who you are. But God can enable every single person to speak about Jesus' truth. Notice how I said speak about Jesus' truth. Not just imply it. You know, sometimes we talk about words and act, we talk about actions and behaviors. Nope. Words, words, words. Speaking the words. Let's now consider that our desire to hear more from Jesus Christ and to live for Him is based on the foundation of a love relationship with Him. How many of you love the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I'm not going to look and see if everybody put their hand up. But, if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, there has to be an inherent foundational love for Him because you recognize what He's done for you. Has to be the foundational principle. You know, some of us guys are really cool, right? You can't be talking about loving... Whatever. No, it's about loving the Lord Jesus Christ. Right, men? Amen. We love and serve Him because He first loved us. We serve Him because it is natural for those who love Him to do so. It's natural. We need to share this love about what He has for us with others. So we need to start with who we are as we learn to care for others. Caring for yourself allows you to be at your best at caring for others. This is the heart and essence of effective ministry. Now this is a very basic message. And I hope it's not too basic. But I tend to think that we sometimes lose the proper focus on why we do what we do. Do you understand the importance of evaluating why you do what you do? Why you stand for Jesus Christ the way you do? So if somebody does ask you a question, don't go, "Eh." I don't know. Nobody should be saying, I don't know. Amen? Everybody should know why you're doing it. You always should know why you do what you do. Even if the words come out, you know what, I do it because I love him and because he loves me. Start right there. The reference we're making to self-care before caring for others is reflective of the summary of all the law and the prophets that Jesus mentions in the next passage I'm going to give you. 
I challenge everyone to consider that while we serve others, it still comes back to a recognition of the importance of love and believing in Jesus Christ first as we love others. Turn to Matthew 22. Let's look at Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. I love this passage because if you want to point to one verse in Scripture, of all the verses that you read, this particular verse gives you a summary of everything that you read in Scripture. If you pick up on this, the summary of all of the old Jewish law, the summary of all the old covenant law, the summary of all the things that you read in the New Testament, it's all packed into this section. This is going to be the English Standard Version. uh, Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, no, a lawyer, right? We make all these jokes about lawyers these days. You know, the lawyer's got to be the one to try to trick Jesus with a statement. So anybody who's a lawyer in here, sorry about that, but y'all make jokes about yourselves too. But anyway, a lawyer asked him a question to test him. Verse 36, teacher, which is the greatest great commandment in the law? Which is the great commandment in the law? Verse 37, he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Verse 38, this is the great and first commandment. It's first. And a second one is, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. That sums it up, everybody. But notice what comes first. Loving the Lord your God comes first. Loving your neighbor as yourself comes second. It's a natural order. You can't love your neighbor as yourself if you don't love yourself, if you don't love God. You can't put the one before the other. Do you see where the love of God, the love of Jesus, comes before everything else? And it is a requirement of effective ministry. Loving Jesus requires, check this out, self-reflection, self-reflection, a defining of self-purpose, Self-purpose and a commitment to honor Jesus Christ in selflessness for his sacrifice for us. Do you notice that you have to figure out who you are before you can minister to somebody else? That's self-care. You've got to figure out who you are. You've got to figure out what you're all about in Jesus. You have to answer those questions for yourself. And the beauty of all of it is that sometimes we don't get the answers we want right away. But if we just stay in fellowship with him, if we stay in communication with him, we may get an answer a year later, two years later, that defines your purpose. But it starts with self-reflection, self-purpose, and selflessness. Because to love Jesus Christ requires you to be selfless. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us and what he represents to us, we are readily obedient to his word. And we can live in such a manner where we go to him as we cast our cares upon him. Now, where have we heard casting our cares upon him? 1 Peter 5.7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Have we not had moments of anxiety? Amen? Amen? Now, I don't watch the news, but it doesn't mean I'm not informed. I get the wonderful notifications in my phone. 
Now my iPad. So I know what's going on. And I know that if you read too much into stuff, it can make you anxious. So what do you do with that anxiety? Tell Jesus about it. Talk to Jesus about it daily if you have to. Amen? Amen. Let's take a look at another passage that also reminds us. See, here's the thing. When we look at scriptures, Jesus is saying to us, I know you're going to get anxious. But being anxious is not a sin. You take that to him. We sometimes twist scripture so badly that it reads for some people like, oh man, I can't get anxious. I'm not supposed to. Well, that's a lie from Satan. Sorry. People get anxious. What are the psalmists re- talking about through the entire, if you look at some of the psalms? I'm afraid. I'm anxious. I'm scared. I've got enemies coming against me. David wrote all about it. He was acknowledging how he was feeling. Don't be the one who is anxious and won't acknowledge it. For goodness sake. Self-care. Be smart. Matthew 6, verses 25 through 33. Did I say that verse earlier? Just to make sure. Matthew 6, chapter 20, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33. Now this is a longer passage. I'm going to read from the New American Standard Bible. But I want you to follow along and just look at Look at the reinforcement as you read it. He says something more than once here. Matthew 6, verses 25 through 33. Verse 25. This is Jesus speaking. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is life not more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky that they do not sow nor reap nor gather crops into barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Amen. Are you not much more important than they? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single day to his life's span? And why are you worried about clothing? Notice how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor, nor do they spin thread for cloth. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon, in all his glory, clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Do not worry then, saying, what are we to eat, or what are we to drink, or what are we to wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But look at verse 33, everybody. This is the whole point of this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. That sums up everything we just read. Seek first the kingdom of God. In the event you are worried about what to eat, or what to wear, or what to drink, Go to Jesus. He will add all of these things to you. No believer in the Lord Jesus Christ should ever be hungry or thirsty physically. Hungry or thirsty or naked. Because the provision is already there for you. If you trust in him. And by everybody in this room, it looks like all of us have had something to eat perhaps something to drink, and we all found the clothes in our closet. Amen? Amen. Because we have a provision.
our priorities are in order because we seek Jesus Christ first. So these things that we have, we don't need to be concerned about. There's a lot more to be concerned about than food and drink and clothing. But God's taking care of that for us. Now, Matthew chapter 6, just as a heads up, this is just a section of it. It's all about prayer. It's all about caring and looking after yourself. Because all these things we're talking about are what? For self. And taking ownership of your own behavior. Because your behavior is very important here. You have because you ask. And remember, there's a passage that says you don't have because you don't ask. Take a closer look at Matthew's chapter 6. That'll be your homework. Okay? Matthew 6 on your own time. And look at what Jesus is teaching in that chapter. It's all about taking care of your own business before you minister to others. Taking care of your own business. Taking care of your own homestead. Don't fall into the trap where you dismiss how you are feeling or how you are doing for the sake of staying busy, quote unquote, in Jesus. Don't neglect yourself. If you're not taking the proper care of yourself, as his word commands, by the way, it's a command from God for you to take care of yourself. If you're not doing that, and you're just trying to impress others by how much you're doing, it's not going to stand for long. Amen? It won't stand for long. We're not to serve Jesus to impress others. Sadly, a lot of people do try to put on airs that they're these big shots and believe them. That's not going to be you. Shouldn't be you. We serve him out of love and devotion for him. If you see where this is going, then it should become second nature that all believers must act in total obedience to his word. Total obedience to his word. Not just doing some things in his word, doing all the things that he commands us to do. Total obedience to his word. It's for our own good that we make sure that we are humble in our prayers and plentiful with our praise as he energizes us for service. Because you do have to be energized for some service, amen? There are some days you just need an extra little vitamin C, vitamin D, whatever it is, uh, emotionally, spiritually, whatever, to get something done. And he does it for you. He gives you what you need to do that. Believers in Jesus Christ are to live as people of action. Are you a person of action? People of action. It's a rhetorical question. But you should know if you are a person of action. We move in his name in order to move people towards the kingdom of God. Paul refers to our actions as believers with the analogy of running a race. We're running a race. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 9 verses 24 and 25. 1 Corinthians 9 verses 24 and 25. We're running a race. First Corinthians 9, 24 and 25. This is the NIV version. Verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Amen? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Verse 25. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. In our running of the race, we are to run to God as we are running this race for Him. We run to God 
as we run this race for Him. And running to God is as simple as saying, Lord, help me. Lord, enable me. Lord, I pray for your wisdom and guidance as I go about my business. That's running to God. It is an analogy that we are applying spiritually because Paul mentions that we are pursuing an everlasting prize. And there is something to look forward to, everybody. Amen? Amen. An everlasting prize. At the appointed time, believers in Jesus Christ will receive that prize. But we don't live in such a way where we take it for granted. Amen? We don't take it for granted. We know there's a prize. But we don't live in such a way where it's like, well, I'm going to get a prize anyway. Yeah, be careful. It might be a booby prize. You don't take it for granted. You run for the best. You know, believers always need to strive for the best. We don't always get there, but you always strive for the best. And we should be running our to the Lord, running to God, running to Jesus in such a way where we want the best. That's what we want. We want His best. Interesting prayer that comes to mind. You might want to do something or you might want to go after something. You pray about it and God may respond to you, okay, do you want your best or do you want my best? That should change your course. That should make you think. Because if you want your best, he'll give it to you. But it may not have been his best. See, that's why we're always seeking him as we do things. We are to keep running. We are spiritual runners. We are running to obtain the prize. Runners are always in training to get better and build endurance. Now, right now, I don't run very much. Last time I ran, I was on the track at that Mac Rec Center, and I felt all kinds of stuff jumping up and down in my body as I was bouncing. Well, that's not what runners should be (laughs) experiencing as they're running. So I, I slowed to a walking gait. But as a spiritual runner, I'm one of the baddest dudes out there. Not bragging. I just know what I can do. But we need to make sure that we're always trying to build endurance, get better, keep moving. Keep moving. When we stay in the Word of God and perform self-care in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we are always prepared to run well for the prize. Amen? Run well for the prize. Go to Hebrews 12. Let's look at verses 1 and verse 2a, which is the first part of verse 2. Hebrews 12 Verses 1 and 2a. Hebrews 12, verse 1. New Living Translation. Therefore, since we are surrounded by by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith... Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Who? Every weight that slows us down. What slows us down? Anxiety. Stuff that gets in our way. Stuff that messes with us mentally. Drama. Mm. Makes you think, doesn't it? Let's strip off every weight that slows us down. Especially the sin, now this comes back to us, that so easily traps us up, trips us up. I can't even read today. So easily trips us up. Because we have sin that trips us up. Amen? 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 Now y'all quieter on that one because it's talking about your sin. See? I understand. That's all right. Personal reflection time. We want to strip off every weight. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. 
What does it say? Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Verse 2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Wow. Jesus is the champion. He is the model for us. He is who we should be modeling. He's a champion because guess what? He's already got the victory. Take good care of yourself. Take things in that are good for you. Move things out of your life that are unhelpful or unhealthy for your mental approach. Move them out. Get in shape and stay in shape as you are sanctified by the indwelling Holy Spirit. Run to Jesus as you run for Jesus. He will take care of you. Amen? Father, we just thank you for your truth. We thank you for your teaching. We thank you for the reminders that you give to us on a regular basis throughout Scripture as you speak to us about the importance of love and relationship with you. For as we trust in you, because you are the one who paid the sin penalties of sin for us for all time. And Lord, we are thankful for what you've done for us. We are thankful for your obedience unto the Father. And we are thankful for you showing us the importance of obedience as well. Lord, thank you for your teaching and what you're doing in our lives. Lord, help us to put those things aside or put those things away altogether that are keeping us from having a healthy, fulfilling, vibrant relationship with you. Lord, you are good to us because you are good for us. And we thank you for that as well, too. Lord, bless this church, bless this group. I pray, Lord, that the words that are spoken remain your words and not my own. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Every praise, every praise, every praise. Amen. Thank you, Lord God.